listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of ESL Talk. I'm Faye. And I'm Daniel. Thank you all for your feedback on last week's episode, Building an Online Course. Yeah, it's great to hear how many of you find it useful. So thanks for the feedback and the comments. So in today's episode, we will look at the topic of teaching for exam preparation and be joined by our special guest, Kira. She's the founder of an IELTS teaching service, Professional Preparation. Yeah, as, and as an IELTS teacher myself, I'm really interested to learn from Kira and hear her perspectives on how to prepare for this test. Mm-hmm. Well, but first of all, let's uh, talk about our own experiences. So Daniel, yeah. when it comes to exam prep, I know you're, you're quite experienced in that, but what are your experiences working with the, with students to help them prepare for different exams? Yeah, this is um, something I've had quite a lot of experience with different exams. Um, when I was teaching in the UK, it was all about the GCSE or A-level exams. Mm-hmm. They're kind of equivalent to, I guess, SATs in the US maybe, or the um, kind mm-hmm. of the final exams that you take before you graduate. Um, so I had quite a lot of experience teaching GCSE, which is the, like the, what you do at the end of high school. Um, also some experience with a level, which is advanced level, um, qualifications, which you do at the end of, um, college before you start university. Um, and then when it comes to test prep in Canada and the U S and, um, formal tests, I've done the IELTS exam, of course, pretty extensively kind of teach those lessons every day. Um, and then also the, um, self-pip as well, which is a kind of, um, another language proficiency test that's quite popular in Canada. Um, so I've worked with those to some extent. Um, I have quite a lot of knowledge on most of them, but nowadays it's more just about skills and, um, building skills and techniques with my students. Um, but for you, Faye, what kind of experience have you had? Yeah, so I've I've done a little bit of IELTS speaking mainly. I haven't really prepped students for all parts of the test. Um, I taught a little bit of TOEIC, more on like a, a sub-teacher basis. But my my most extensive experience is with the Cambridge exams, uh, both or uh, all of them actually first advanced and proficiency. So mm-hmm. in most recent years, I specialized in teaching proficiency for Cambridge as well and uh, worked with a lot of teachers actually um, uh, to kind of 
get that, let's say, validation of their language um, if they're not a native speaker. And I've uh, both designed courses uh, for Cambridge. I've also uh, trained other teachers who wanted to teach, uh, for exam prep, more specifically for Cambridge prep. Um, and since you have, we both have all this like varied experience, do you have, is there one exam that you prefer to teach over the others? Um, I wouldn't say so. I, I, I like variety in my teaching as I'm sure you do too. I don't want to mm. do the same thing constantly. Um, I also something that's the most familiar to me and the most comfortable to me. Um, but again, it just, it's just with my situation right now. Um, again, at the university level, we don't really teach to a test. It's more teaching to assignments and, um, you know, examinations. So they aren't quite the same, but I don't really dislike IELTS. It's just a little bit repetitive. Um, so mm -hmm. I just have to find ways as a teacher to make it engaging and exciting and fun um, for mm -hmm. my students and for my learners. Um, but for you, is there anyone that you don't really like teaching? Yeah, like it's kind of what you said. It's the repetitiveness, right? That mm -hmm. can make it pretty dull. And I find that the one that takes the cake from that is uh, TOEIC. Um, it's definitely a very repetitive exam and not the most interesting test. And also, I find that the TOEIC exam is not really a test of English um, from what I've seen from my experience. It's more of a test of testing skills. Um, a lot of students actually get a really high score on this test um, without being able to speak. Um, I couldn't even tell you how many times I've tested new students um, for like levels test. And they had a nearly perfect TOEIC score, but couldn't carry on a basic conversation, couldn't yep. write a paragraph that was cohesive enough to be intelligible, yeah. right? And so it's, it's really strange that this is such a popular test to this day, because for me, that's really, it doesn't really test your English level. Mm -hmm. And if you want to teach that, I kind of feel like I'm teaching something that I don't believe in, right. uh, in a way. So so ironically, actually, I'm not a huge fan of standardized testing, although that's something I specialized in. But I do think there are exams that do a better job of it. I really like the Cambridge exams. Um, out yeah. of all the exams out there, I think that they're kind of a, a really good package of all the skills. And you really need to be a, a fluent speaker to get a good score. And not only that, but have sort of that um, like adaptability and flexibility with your language. So Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, when you were starting out teaching for exams, what did you do to prepare yourself or learn how to teach for exams? Yeah, I think it's the same process with anything. When you're learning something, it's lots of reading, lots of studying, lots of long, long, long guides and paperwork mm -hmm. and official criteria and guidelines, watching how it's taught and Again, looking at the frameworks and rubrics, I mean, it's the same for IELTS as it is for anything else. You have a rubric that you're assessed on. And one thing that really surprises me is that so many students are not even aware of the rubric. They're not aware of how they're assessed. And with an examination, like you said, one of the potential problems with standardized testing is that as long as you give the examiner what they want or you show them what they want to see or they what they want to hear, then you can achieve that score. So it's not really a true reflection um, per se. Um, so I think for me, again, just observing and watching and, and you know, going through that process of training um, over time. I mean, with IELTS now, it's it's pretty easy for me. But initially when I was doing training, it was a lot of testing myself and I have to you know you have to have a lot of accuracy in the scores that you give um, and one one big discussion that I, I always get really um, kind of what's the word I get very kind of fired up about is that 
students don't achieve their school. So they say, oh, I'm just going to get it reevaluated. It might go up. Maybe I'm lucky. But <laughs> in theory, if all the examiners are trained the same, then there shouldn't be any change. Yeah. So this is something I'm very, I get a little bit uh, frustrated about is when students just say like, well, I just get it reassessed and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm, but it kind of mm-hmm. takes away from the fact that as a, a taker or a test taker, you need to demonstrate these skills. And, and if you haven't got the score that you want, then there's obviously an area that you can improve. Um, right. But as for us on the other side, it's just very easy for test takers or candidates to say, well, it's the examiner's fault. It's They're too me. harsh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I just think it, it's really important that students take responsibility for that and that we, we build those expectations in when we're teaching students as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That actually um, kind of ties into what I wanted to also ask you. Um, what do you think is most challenging for the students when they're preparing for an exam? Do you think those expectations are part of it? I think students, a lot of the time they need to relearn because they get into a lot of bad habits and they get into a lot of, not lazy, but they get into a lot of ways of doing things that are not very efficient. So Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is they'll get into, you know, they might be very good conversationally, but they'll use a lot of informal language like gonna, wanna, cause, these kind Mm -hmm. of things, which are not kind of formal or academic. Um, So that's one big issue, um, which I think is a challenge for students. And sometimes trying to ask students to keep it simple Mm. is really difficult for them because they're like, well, I want to show off and I want to demonstrate what I can do. And unless you're quite an advanced speaker or an advanced user of English, that's quite difficult to do. I mean, even for me as a writer or as a teacher, it's difficult sometimes to really articulate what I want to say. Mm -hmm. So I say to students, if you try to say too much or you try to use too much vocabulary when it's forced, then it's not natural. And the examiner is going to see that. And then maybe if, if it's not clear to the examiner, then that's going to reflect in your school. Mm-hmm. So I've seen really good band eight or high band seven, you know, IELTS responses where it's really simple, yeah. clear, basic sentences, but it's used well and it's done well. So don't yeah. try to, don't try to do more that you can, than you can do, but right. obviously just be aware of your limitations and, and your skills, because as much as we want to be perfect, it, it comes from improving at that level instead of trying to go much higher than you can. So it's, it's about, it's about that as well, being aware of your level and knowing what your skills are. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, when it comes to these exams um, again, you know, have you ever taken any of these yourself? Um, Because for me, I took IELTS, even though Mm -hmm. I'm a native speaker and it's kind of a little bit silly that I teach it, but I think as a teacher of IELTS, you should take the test to get a really good perspective um, Mm -hmm. of it, which a lot of examiners don't do. So have you taken any of these and what was your experience yeah, so since I actually grew up in Brazil, I I took the Cambridge Advanced when I was actually a teenager. And at the time, I didn't even think about becoming a teacher. And I would never really studied. English was always quite natural for me. And I actually didn't study for my Cambridge exam. I took the exam, the prep course. I wasn't, I wasn't a very good student, actually. Um, but when I took the test... It was a great way to burst my bubble and to show me that you actually need to prepare for these because I actually got a B when I did it because my writing wasn't great. Like you said, um, I didn't actually articulate my ideas that well. I didn't study enough or look at what the format was enough and what they actually expected me to do. And so I couldn't get that score. And it was so frustrating for me to not get an A 
honestly, it like made me feel terrible. Um, so years later, when I actually started teaching, I really wanted to get the proficiency exam before coming to Canada. So sort of like, because I felt like I had to prove myself. Um, in the end, nobody really cared here. But when I did the proficiency exam, I was obsessed with it. And I studied really hard. And I finally I did it. I got my A on proficiency. But um, it really helped me uh, really understand how hard these exams are and how it's not just, oh, I can speak the language, I can, I can pass the test. And that goes for IELTS as well. I had to take the IELTS to immigrate to Canada. And again, I had learned my lesson from taking the Cambridge Advanced and I worked really hard and I still couldn't get a perfect score. And I'm a teacher, right? Um, so it, it, it is, it's, it's a lot, a lot is involved in it. And I think it makes us more sympathetic towards our students as well. And what, what they're, all of the things they have to deal with are, it's not just learning the language, right? It's managing your emotions, your expectations, you know, that little voice in your head telling exactly. you that you can't do it. Yeah. yeah. And one message that I think I should just, just kind of relay as well is that as an examiner, I've, been on the other side with native speakers taking the test and they haven't mm. got good scores and they've been <laughs> furious but again <laughs> if I ask you to speak for two minutes about a topic and you speak for 30 seconds and then get annoyed yeah. when I ask you to say more then how can you possibly mm -hmm. get a band nine you know it's yeah again yeah. it's knowing the test knowing what to expect and being prepared I mean luckily mm -hmm. unfortunately because I'd known enough about it and I was prepared like I got you know pretty perfect score but nice. again that's that's just from practice and preparation if I didn't do that then probably I wouldn't have got a perfect score so yeah, yeah. it's something definitely to consider mm -hmm. um so Faye what about from the teacher's side what are the most difficult aspects of teaching for exam prep that you found um I think managing we've mentioned this a little bit but managing student expectation is a huge thing um, students often come, especially nowadays that IELTS, for example, as you know, is so popular. They often mm -hmm. come with this, oh, but this school tells me that I can, they guarantee band whatever, or in a month, they said they can give, they can help me achieve band seven. And I am actually an A1 level student. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's, that can be really hard. So I think that that from the teacher's side is really hard because it's something you need to do early on. Um, it's not related to the language at all. It's just related to just handling that expectation the student has and maybe bursting their bubble a little bit. And also as a teacher, I think we all, we have talked a lot about this before, but managing that imposter syndrome voice that we have in our heads. Because mm -hmm. when you teach for exams, students expect a lot from you yeah. um, and that you know all the answers and you know, you, you, you would be perfect at the test on the test yourself, but it's okay to admit that you don't know everything. Um, you might need to think about an answer. Sometimes students ask you something or you might have to think about it or get back to, to them on that later. Um, that can be quite challenging, I think. Right? Mm -hmm. What do you Definitely. think? Yeah, I would say, I would say so as well that, you know, when it comes to the different students that you meet, obviously every student is different. So first listen to the student listen to what they expect try to manage those expectations and have that honest conversation with them if they feel that they can get a seven in a month and they're band five then you might need to work at it a little bit mm -hmm. um again try to try to kind of help your students have an open mind to learning new things yeah. and trying new things because if you've been you know it could be very frustrating if you've been learning english for 10 10 years but you haven't been learning the right skills or you haven't mm -hmm. practiced the right skills then you might feel like well 
what 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 was that was that a waste of time mm-hmm. um so making sure again that your students are open to trying new things and giving them lots of structures and examples and models to follow is really important because a lot of the time students really struggle with putting their ideas on paper or they might have yeah. the idea in their first language and translate it which mm-hmm. is when we have issues mm-hmm. so think in english look at models and examples try to get the organization and the structure so that no matter what the question is or no matter what the task is you have the skills and you have the experience there to be able to start to work with it at least to a, a pretty high level so i think that's important as well yeah those are good tips um what about in terms of resources do you have any favorite resources that can help some of our listeners or teachers who might be getting into exam prep there's a million and one ielts books mm-hmm. out there um Honestly, the majority of the IELTS books that I've looked at are just kind of regurgitated or reprocessed from other places. So mm-hmm. you can get most of the materials online. Um, there's a website called IELTS Exam, which has like all the exam stuff on there. That's perfect. You have all the main question types and uh, for reading, writing, um, mm-hmm. for speaking. Um, I know as we've talked about it before, IELTS Liz is great because she has a lot of videos, instructions, all the topics are in there. Um, so that's really good for IELTS. If you're doing the Cambridge exams, um, there's a lot of YouTube videos on there as well, which are really nice Um audiovisual tools that you can use and i know the cambridge site as well it doesn't have much uh, in terms of quantity but it does have a few yes. um, nice practice tests practice quizzes which are really nicely done and there's also a grammar test to test your grammar which i like which yep. i use with students as well yeah that's what um, i use to level my students as well yeah mm-hmm. yeah any any other resources that you might suggest yeah no ones? i think i think that's it um the, the for cambridge at least the official cambridge website is really great like you said there's not a lot but what is there is really useful they have full-on lesson plans mm-hmm. for teachers who are starting out, like a lesson right. plan to teach speaking part one, a lesson plan to teach. It's really, uh, really clear and very straightforward for when you're starting out. So yep. I think just go straight to the source, right? Absolutely. So what are your top pieces of advice for teachers doing exam prep? What do you think all teachers should try to do to be mm-hmm. successful at teaching exams? Well, first of all, do the test. And actually sit down and do the full test yourself, maybe a few times, just to familiarize yourself with the tasks and kind of notice what what the limitations are, what the potential challenges are. And um, you have to understand the test first. Uh, it seems uh, it, it seems obvious, but it's not. I've, I've met a few teachers who started teaching just from like, OK, this is the this is chapter one of this prep book. Let's do this lesson. But they've never actually taken the test. So definitely do that. And I would just say, remember that you're going to be doing a lot of prep at the beginning. It's a very steep learning curve uh, when you start teaching for exams. But once you've taught that, and that's with any kind of teaching, right? But once you've taught it, remember, it'll get easier and you'll remember it. And it's, it's steep at the beginning. Just keep that in mind. You'll have to do a lot of prep, a lot of studying. Um, just do all the work uh, very heavily at the beginning and you'll be fine later yeah. on. Anything Absolutely. to add? Yeah, uh, and just especially if you teach some exams, there's a lot of overlap. So there's a lot of activities, Mm -hmm. materials, ideas that you can quite nicely and quite easily integrate into other lessons and other activities, especially when it's discussion tasks or speaking stuff. There's a lot of IELTS stuff that I've been able to use and for listening as well. Um, that transfers over nicely too. All right, so let's move on to the next part of today's podcast. We're going to bring in our guest, Kira, who's going to talk to us a little bit about her experience with teaching exams. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So thanks for joining us today, Kira. Yeah, thank you for having me. And unfortunately, Daniel um, had scheduling issues, so we're going to be doing this interview just one-on-one. But first of all, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about uh, your teaching journey and your background? Awesome. Yeah, so I started teaching about eight years ago when I was studying abroad in China. Um, So I had no experience. I was not a trained teacher at all, Mm -hmm. but I happened to be an English speaker. Mm -hmm. So they hired me and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. (laughs) Definitely (laughs) very terrible at the job, but luckily I had a Mm co-teacher who uh, was a Chinese native uh, who spoke amazing English. So we work together. Mm-hmm. And he actually trained me how to be a teacher. Wow. Um, so I was trained how to be an English teacher by a non-English native. And mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for that experience. So when I came home to Canada to finish my degree, 
I then went to school to uh, get my post back in Tessel. Mm-hmm. And then I started teaching here in Canada, and then I moved to Taiwan and taught for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so my English teaching journey was a long one. Now I'm back here in mm-hmm. Canada, but yeah, I'm super grateful. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Um, I, I have I've talked about this before here on the podcast, but yeah, I also started teaching um, back in Brazil, but just because I could speak the language fluently. So you're hired, right? <laughs> but then you realize I don't really know how to do this. So I'm glad yeah. you got to to go through that as well and had somebody guiding you. Um, but more specifically, what led you to teach exam prep? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I was teaching at a college here, a language school, and many of my students, um, because here in Canada, you need to take the IELTS for either immigration or mm-hmm. to to study here, to go to university. So they all were really struggling and they needed help. Um, So I started looking into the IELTS and I realized why they were struggling um, (laughs) because it is a crazy test. Um, So I just got really into it for them. And then I decided that it's what I like to do. So then I started my own school Mm -hmm. and yeah. That's great. And uh, I know it, you, you, you're an IELTS expert, right? What does that mean? What do you think that means? Yeah, so an IELTS expert is like somebody who knows the test from back to front, mm-hmm. like somebody who knows every single component of that exam mm-hmm. and knows every strategy to help a student get the score they need. It's, it's great that you got to do that. Not many uh, instructors that teach the exam actually know all about it. So um, it's great yeah, to, well, to actually do that you do that. Yeah, for sure. Like I actually have taken courses on how to teach the IELTS. Mm, um, I've taken the IELTS test myself. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot to the exam. It's not just mm-hmm. an easy peasy thing. There's a lot of English teachers, very good English teachers, who go in and they take the exam and they can't score higher than a seven or a Mm 7.5. So there's just a lot to know. Mm -hmm. And it's not all just about your English level. Yeah, that's very true for for most exams, right? Um, Now, before we get more into IELTS specifically, you have a really big following online currently. Like, how did you build that? um, And what do you think worked well when you were when you were doing that? Yeah, so I've been running my page for uh, almost a year now, Mm -hmm. but it's taken a lot of trial and error. Mm -hmm. I didn't start my page and then have the following that I have now. It took a long time. Um, And what I've found is that people really enjoy authenticity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, before I was trying to do things like everybody else did them, you Mm -hmm. know? (laughs) Yeah. don't say this, say this. Well, no, I never did that, but I did (laughs) other similar things um, to try and, you know, this is obviously what's working for everyone else. I should be doing it as well, Mm -hmm. but it didn't catch on. So once I started doing everything the way I wanted to do it, making content for myself and how I thought would really help my following, I kind of blew up. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was about five months ago that my page really took off. 
Mm -hmm, That's great. Uh, Again, it sounds really familiar because that was exactly the same for me. Um, It was when I started, I think I made a video. I started thinking there's a lot of vocabulary students never never learn in class. So I'm just going to make videos. And I made a video, Parts of a Door. Because I I thought to myself, like, people don't learn hinge. They don't learn people. Like, you never know these words. And that video blew up. It was about five months ago as well. And then since then, it's been crazy. So I think that's a really good lesson. Just like do things that you know from experience that that students need to learn, right? And that will be fun for you to do as well. Um, Now, in your experience, how easy has it been for you to convert those followers into actual like paying students for uh, for exam prep? Not easy. Mm -hmm. Um, Building trust takes time. So in my first month, I was only able to convert one student from my Instagram page. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm fully booked, but that took that took months to be mm-hmm. able to do that. Um, so definitely, it's not an easy task. You have to be incredibly patient, mm-hmm. um, and you have to be selling always. So mm-hmm. every time I have a post, and this is something that I just recently learned, and it works. Um, at the end of every post have like a call to action that says that lets them know what your services are Mm -hmm. and then you'd be surprised then they start messaging you contacting you and like I said now I'm fully booked but Mm -hmm. it did take months for that to happen oh wow and uh, now in terms you you mentioned um, building trust and all that and, and we can clearly see you know what you're talking about but in terms of teaching the class um, how do you teach IELTS? What's your teaching style for that? How, do you, how did you plan and design your own courses? Yeah, so I actually do use a textbook. Um, mm-hmm. My rep is Pearson, and mm-hmm. I love my textbook. Um, I supplement where I have to, but for the most part, I have like the modules through the textbook. Um, test prep is a little bit more difficult to start from scratch. Um, you don't have to, right? Like, no, yeah, and it's there's no point. Yeah. Uh, there is no point because uh, amazing textbook companies also like um, copyright issues. Like, mm-hmm. well, how are you going to take certain? Yeah. So I use Pearson. It's perfect. That's good. Yeah. 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 We always talk about that too here on the show. It's like, we don't really need to reinvent the wheel, especially when you're starting out teaching something and something like exam prep is just so set, right? There's not much really that you can change. Um, But so you have the material and you sort of already have a plan, but what are the biggest challenges you face then when preparing your students for exams? Um, Yeah. The biggest challenge is people really overestimate their English ability. (laughs) Um, So I'll get a student who has a current band score of five Mm -hmm. and they think with, you know, just a couple weeks of prep, they're going to get that 7.5 that they need. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're not being realistic Um, because there are a lot of companies out there that kind of feed yeah. Uh, misinformation almost. Mm-hmm. Tell it, oh yeah, you can get a band nine in 30 days or something ridiculous. Right. Uh, I find that to be the biggest challenge is kind of giving them the reality check that, you know, you're going to be with me for six months, not mm-hmm. two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, uh, we, we talked a little bit about that too, Daniel and I, and I've always found, cause I've taught um, Cambridge exam prep more extensively. And that was uh, with, over time I learned that that, 
was the first thing I had to do was uh, manage students' expectations and kind of like uh, hit them hard on the first few days so they realize this is not as easy, easy as you think and you have to do a lot of work yourself, right? Um, exactly. So I remember the way I managed it was on the first couple days, uh, I basically kind of overwhelmed my students a little bit even just so they can get a sense of what that course is and then things kind of eased off a little bit more after that. But I felt that that was a good way to filter out the people who are not really that motivated. Um, do you have any special techniques that you use like at this beginning stage when you want to manage their expectations? Oh, for sure. I have them take a mock test. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> once they, once they take it, they're like, okay, I get it now. Mm -hmm. I get it. Like just because I'm a fluent English speaker doesn't mean that I'm the level that I need to be at because mm -hmm. some of them are really surprised they'll be you know married to natives and not understand how they're not a band eight yeah. and how they're only a band five <laughs> and it's just really shocking for them yeah 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 well the, the and also showing the students that it's not just an English test it's a it's a testing skills test right you have to understand exactly. the exam yeah that's good um, now which sections or areas of of the exam you think in IELTS exam are most neglected by teachers and students in your experience um, so a lot of students will just take like these like cheap crash courses mm -hmm. where they don't get any type of feedback mm -hmm. so they actually do learn some some useful exam skills for yeah. sure, some strategies, but they don't get any feedback. So when it comes to the speaking and writing components of the test, they still really struggle. Mm -hmm. And a lot of students come to me after they've taken these crash courses and they still have no idea what to do when it comes to speaking and writing. Mm -hmm. um, also, students coming to me from language schools that don't specialize in IELTS prep. Mm. So they'll have like just a regular ESL teacher training them for a test, but you can't just have a regular teacher training you. No. It's, yeah. it's much different. Um, so yeah, I had a student come to me from the biggest school here in Vancouver, and she didn't even know that there was two different tests. And oh, she, wow. The really academic nice. in general, she had no, she uh, had no idea. Uh, so, um, students being trained by people who um, maybe don't know the test as well as that are not they experts. Like, yeah, like, exactly. Going back to that, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of experts out there, so um, mm. students just need to be careful who they're trusting. Okay, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, now, what advice would you give to new teachers who are just getting started teaching exam prep? Yes. So get training. Definitely. Um, Cambridge has a pretty good self-study course mm -hmm. that you can go through. Um, and it takes you through all the different sections of the test and um, how to teach each section. Um, also take the test yourself because mm -hmm. I think it'll help you understand how challenging the test really is. Mm -hmm. um, so that's important for teachers as well. Um, so yeah, just, you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to, because, mm -hmm. you know, speaking from experience, when I first started teaching the test, you really want to know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Daniel and I chatted a little bit about this earlier, but um, it, when you're teaching for exam, it feels like there's a lot of prep at the beginning when you're teaching the first time. 
Um, and it is that way. And it actually, that's, I think, what scares a lot of teachers from getting into it. But once you become that expert, once you've got it, it's a lot easier, right? Because you know what you're talking about then. But yeah, it's exactly. very, very um, heavily focused at the beginning and it's very, a lot of heavy prep, but then yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can start recycling everything, but yeah, in the beginning, wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Was that a learning curve for sure? Yeah, exactly. That's great. Um, now just to wrap things up, um, how can our listeners connect with you if they want to find out more about you and what you do? Yeah. So they can always contact me through my website, which is profprep.ca mm -hmm. or also on Instagram. I'm always on there. Um, mm -hmm. Prof underscore prep. That's great. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all of your expertise. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah. We, we, we'd love to hear what our listeners think about our episode as well. So if, if those of you listening have any comments or any questions, feel free to send us um, an email. You can contact us on email at esltalkpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at esltalkpodcast. And don't forget, you can contact me directly on Instagram as well at Learning with Faye. And you can also contact Daniel with, at I'm Daniel Teacher. And we hope to see you all uh, next time here on ESL Talk Podcast. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes and to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for even more ESL teaching content. 
For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content. <laughs>